great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of rams brothers i'm your host dean and i'm joined as always by my brother and the other great host of this show nick and nick it's been a little while it's been a couple of weeks OTAs are underway. We're in the final week of OTAs and some other top line Rams news. But first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? I'm good. It's good to be back on the horn. Which sure you. is. Um, yeah, things are good. There hasn't been a lot of football news that has come across my feed. I think everybody's talking about NBA finals or NHL playoffs. Go Cats. So it's been fun. Go Cats. Go. Are you Nuggets? You're Nuggets or you're rooting Heat? I got my uh, my rent this month on the Nuggets. So I'm a see. I'm a Hemi Butler guy. That's I'm gonna live and die by by Jimmy buckets. That's my guy. Um, yeah, but th- that's what it is. It's the beginning of June. It's the finals. It's the Stanley Cup. There's not a ton of Rams news. Our last episode we talked about a potential gambling guide. If you want to kind of guide yourself through some fun updated lines like comeback player of the year, everybody was really interested in. Demar Hamlin's gonna win that award just for stepping on the field. Like he's minus 500. So Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford kind of out on that conversation. But as the weeks transpire, we'll be able to see like over over under rushing yard totals, receiving yard totals, touchdowns, all that other stuff. Some other fun props and there'll be individual props per games that we cover as always because Uncle Nicky's gambling guide is, is always the most useful throughout the season. Over 500 every single year, right? Dating back five, six years. Um but now I was below 500, but every other uh, year above. Just like uh, what were the Rams in 2019? Were they also below 500 that year? Like it was nine, the year they missed the playoffs. And, yeah. yeah, it was the year they missed the playoffs and got dismantled by the Ravens in their mustard uniforms, I think, in the Coliseum. Was it the final home game of the Coliseum that season? Yeah, final uh, color rush game as well. Yeah, yeah. If anybody has that towel, it's a good one. Um, but yeah, some some top line Rams news. So Leonard Floyd, finally. Oh, there you go. Nick's, Nick's got it on disposal. I have uh, like Leonard, a million towels right here. Yeah, Nick's the towel. Ta- if you need to hit up Nick, he's selling towels for $50 a piece. <laughs> Cold, hard cash. Um, yeah, but Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd might be looking for a couple of souvenirs, maybe some Rams towels. He's no longer with the Rams. The Rams released him three months ago uh, to, de- to take the dead cap hit for this season and not extended over two seasons. They could have waited until after June 1st and ate it over 23 and 24, but decided to eat it all now. Um, so the Leonard Floyd news is interesting, right? He signs a one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills, partners him up with Traven Howard, Von Miller, Taylor Rapp, and David Edwards, who are all previous Rams who are now with Buffalo. And they were seemingly really interested in Odell Beckham Jr. before he signed with the Ravens. So I guess I'll just ask you on the spot, what do you kind of think that this methodology means in the NFL, like, are you just kind of trying to copy paste and get into that one year Super Bowl window? Or do you think this team is still trying to build a dynasty? Because it's like, what do you do? If you're the Bills, you want to try to win a Super Bowl, like no matter what happens, it, it, like you need to do it. So I don't think the Bills are built for that right now, honestly, um, because I don't 
what the Rams did hadn't worked in the NFL ever. Never, ever before had it ever worked. And I, I guess I don't, the only example you could use is maybe the year prior with Brady, but still it's an anomaly because it's Tom Brady. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, honestly, that that team was such a quarterback away for so long. That's I don't true. even know, like, because they it was it was him and Gronk they brought in really. Right. Um, they not like you know they didn't get Von Miller and OBJ and like add upon and, and Stafford all in the same year. Like, I still think what the Rams did is one in a million chance of doing that. Um, and, and successfully so, winning the Super Bowl in that situation too. It's, it's, it just defies all odds. Yeah, so much had to go their way. The Super Bowl was at home. They didn't have to face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Like they were the four seed. Like they really didn't like. They got a lot of breaks that year. Yeah. And you got to get lucky to win a Super Bowl. In in a lot of cases, in a lot of pieces, there, there has to be luck along the way. The balls and bounce your way. What what have you? Um, and I don't. I just don't see. I, I think that's what the Bills are trying to do right now. And I don't think that's prolonged success. I think they're they're behind offensively. I think you gotta. You, uh, Josh Allen needs to rework kind of his entire mindset. Uh, they have a defensive coach, which the defense wasn't really you know anything to bring home about last year. So true. So, and I and I think they still think that they're cream of the crop in the NFL. And hey, you need to make it to the to the. AFC championship last Yeah, you year. do. Yeah, you have you to be like, like yeah. you got to get to that point. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I I like it for them, but it it seems like a short-term goal kind of thing where that usually just doesn't work in the in the end. That right exactly. Yeah, and I guess you have a quarterback that's, you know, you're going to have under contract for a longer period of time. They feel like they're they're built, you know, they have a new stadium coming out in a couple of years that they just broke ground on. So there's some future things I think they're looking forward to. Leonard Floyd just on a one-year deal, though. That, to me, means that they're trying to win it this year, right? You're trying to get together a team this year. You're going to try to add as many one-year. It's the Howie Roseman methodology with the Philadelphia Eagles, same way they did it last year. And the same way that a lot of really good GMs do throughout the season when they feel like they're a couple of players away. So maybe Leonard Floyd is one of those two, three pieces that they feel like can really get them over the top. And we know the pass rush wins Super Bowl. This one actually won a Super Bowl two seasons ago. So I think in theory, it very much does make sense. I felt like it was between them and the Chargers to lock up Leonard Floyd. But now that that's done, um, we, we know I mean, Leonard What do you think? Like, like, do you think that they are primed to be – Super Bowl champs this year. I, I do. I mean, you got to get through Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, and also Aaron Rodgers. So well, hopefully, some like hopefully they can kind of knock each other out. But yeah, I mean, like sure. if the Bengals it's are the your biggest yeah. threat. Yeah, I thought the last two seasons was their best opportunity to win a Super Bowl, and I thought two years prior they should have traded for Von Miller when the Rams decided to, because they were very much one of those two teams that were in contention to to bring in Von Miller and the Rams were the one that stepped up and, and won the prize. So yeah. that's the difference of winning the Super Bowl and going to the AFC championship losing or getting to the Super Bowl and losing to me is is a great pass rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean most of the time more than anything else, but wins you the Super Bowl is the defense. So yeah. Yeah. Look at the Eagles. You know, they just needed some they needed a solid defense. surface. Right. Yeah. They needed <laughs> their pass rush was there right. just falling all over themselves. Right, right, right. Um, so what else is going on with OTAs, Nick? Because we're in the final week of OTAs, as we mentioned. So a lot of rookies in this 2023 group and undrafted players, as we know. So, for example, Jordan mentioned in one of her latest articles that they take a charter bus from the hotel slash apartment cluster to Cal Lutheran, which is where their practice facility is, every single day 
instead of using their usual 10-person van. So a literal, a literal charter bus versus just a 10-person shuttle that, you know, they're in this whole Ram situation. This uh, As you're writing this, I'm thinking to myself, the draft was unprecedented. The day three, seven-hour time block that I spent sitting in front of my TV watching who were they were going to select after the, the fourth and fifth and sixth rounds. Um, it's just such a unique situation. It's really interesting to see how all these players are kind of coming together. But they said that the onboarding process holistically is slow, slow, emphasis on slow. It's an onboarding process for everybody. Everybody has to know how to figure out how to play with one another. And also, we have to make sure that nobody's swimming, right? Because that's the one call out from offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur was, we have a really good eye on who's swimming, who's sinking, and who feels like they can kind of handle the material. You know, everybody has to be able to execute without spending too much time thinking about that really complex playbook that Sean McVay lays out to everybody. So, you know, it's a uh, slow and steady wins the race. You want to make sure everybody's on the same page. Just yeah. time. Sinking and swimming. I like that. Everything that has come out of the floor has been great in my book. It's like he's got like a little notepad of like these these like really smart ways of just saying standard stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, well, I agree too. It's I like, love that. Yeah, I mean, you have to be somebody that's that's pretty quick on your feet when you work with Sean McVay, and you know that's what he saw with Kevin O'Connell. That's why the two of them got along so well. And you see him goes on and gets a head coaching job, which I'm sure is the same thing he wants to do for Matt Lafleur. But also, yeah, like, it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, and I think depending on this year and next depending year, on this year and how much the offense truly evolves was my one thought, and it's also how the offensive line is able to kind of come together because. Uh, Matt LaFleur is, or is it Mike LaFleur? Which one's the brother? Matt or Mike? Mike. We have Mike. It's Mike. It's Mike. I keep saying Matt. Mike yeah. is, is he has a, a pretty interesting job um, because he's not calling plays, right? He has McVay and Stafford to lean on. They're the ones that are responsible primarily for building the game plan with LaFleur's insight, but making adjustments in real time, like that's all stuff he's going to get minimal blame for. I feel like where we all really want to see it evolved and taken to the next step is a group of offensive linemen who under new head or under new uh, offensive line coach, Ryan Wendell, uh, we all have confidence that that can kind of come together. Zach Cromer still in the building. And if all that stuff doesn't work, that's what happens. That's when, when LaFleur gets the finger pointed at him, similar to how Liam Cohn got the finger pointed at him over the past couple of seasons, right? It's like, if it doesn't pan out, if the offensive line is struggling and there's no, newness to scheme. There's no innovation that's happening. Obviously, Sean McVay has introduced innovation year over year over year, and he needs assistance. He needs somebody to be able to kind of come in and bounce ideas off of, which is why we always talked about, you know, building up that room, making sure that that offensive coaching room is always filled with players that have tons of experiences and coaches that have NFL level experience, not guys that came from college programs like Kevin Carberry and Liam Cohn. It's guys that have true true NFL experience and can add value to conversations. I want to say as well, just to add on what we think LaFleur can bring to the table. um, I think second half adjustments is going to be huge. Absolutely. Throughout his entire tenure with the Rams, that's one thing that is a blemish on the McVay record uh, because it it seems time and time again, they just kind of continue to run out the same kind of stuff whether it was working or not, hoping that. Um, yeah. And you know, you know what? When I, I remember one one night we were watching, uh, you and I were watching the um, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Manning take or Manning cast, whatever the hell it was called. I and Peyton, Peyton was talking about second half adjustments and why he feels like that really doesn't exist. 
Like he was talking about, like, we have a game plan. We roll oh, out the yeah. game plan. There's no adjustments to be made at the second half. The game plan is the game plan. You have to be able to make some adjustments, innovations, audibles on the fly. But for the most part, it's concrete. I, I do think, though, that adding another young mind that has the ability to be a head coach in LaFleur, can, you could at least tinker with the game plan in the second yeah. half. You could try out some things that you've you know, previously introduced in OTAs or training camps or whatever it may be. Because what do you really have to lose at this point? You got to kind of throw some darts and take some risks to be able to give yourself a chance to win. Do you think in the room they feel as lax as we do? And maybe, maybe I'm not speaking for both of us, but I'm just speaking for myself, where they spent all the effort to win a Super Bowl, they won it, and now like I'm okay with them taking a couple years to kind of you know get the machine rolling again. Um, I wonder if that's how they kind of see the season as well I, or, or if they're like no we like we got to bring the bring the thunder every night I don't know I think for as relaxed as you and I are I think they they're kind of the same way like when you hear Raheem Morris talk you, we just heard some press conferences from Ryan Wendell or no it was uh, Chase Blackburn and Raheem Morris and the floor and really kind of what you heard from Raheem Morris was like like there's, there's a lot of young guys in this building. It's a really great opportunity. Everybody's kind of walking around optimistically. Everybody wants to help one another. There's no real like, you know, swagger or, or I guess, personality that's going to negatively deter anybody, right? Like the core is the core. It's Stafford, Donald, and Cup. And everybody knows that. And everybody else is kind of competing for a position. So everybody below those three players are, are, are kind of walking around optimistically, hoping that they could do something that would impress a coach and earn themselves a starting job. Um, and I think that the coaches all feel that same way. And it was kind of what Les Snead brought up in one of his, his press conferences over the offseason was it's so interesting to see how Sean McVay walked around in 2017 when he was a 31-year-old head coach, had no real true NFL experience outside of obviously working with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Washington Commanders. But there wasn't any head coaching experience. There wasn't real experience in terms of leading a 53-man roster. And I feel like now that he's gotten through all the hard parts of his career – getting married, getting engaged, getting married, uh, winning a Super Bowl, you know, having an arch rivalry with with Kyle Shanahan, like, and uh, contemplating retirement, like all of these things have kind of come up on his mind. But now all of those things are behind him. So I feel like they're very much seasoned to be able to implement some really interesting things into their game plan that'll help them win games. And I like how he said, um, he was like, this isn't going to be a story next year. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. committed yeah. to doing this. It was a whole, what, like a five day kind of a story because he came out pretty quickly and was like, yeah, I'm not going to retire. Yeah. Um, and then just to speak on 31 year old McVay versus now and Raheem, uh, just a lot of, it feels like there are clear veterans who have been poised and in these positions to now, you know, lead by example, you know, point to point to history that they have made. Yep. And then like, if you follow our path, like we understand and know how to win. So while this year I think they can take as lax, I think going forward after this year, they're probably back into um, let's be like a competent LA team and you know, oh, yeah. go a championship. Yeah. All speed ahead in 2024. I think their cap space as of right now is over 50 million. They're yeah. like under 2 million for this season. So it's really kind of going to be like a work with what you got, unless you're going to bring in a veteran player under a million dollars and you could sign him on and 
you know, have him come in similar to the Leonard Floyd situation. I don't think that the terms in terms of the dollar value came out for that contract yet, but it'll be interesting to see what he gets. But yeah, Nick, it's like, it, it's an interesting time to be a Rams fan. I, I do think that there are so many rookies undrafted players in this group that we could all be pleasantly surprised that nine or 10 of them, you know, end up earning starting roles and can be players that earn their second contracts that can turn into potential leaders. And that's kind of what we have laid out for this episode, right? The back half of this episode, we wanted to focus on three players that we feel like could be potential leaders and earn a second contract or a third contract with the Los Angeles Rams. Because of right now, Nick, if you look at everything that's coming out of OTAs, you have to take it all with a grain of salt. Like all offensive linemen have been a, have been a full go, great sign, with the exception of Logan Bruss, who we've all been keeping an eye on because the knee is still recovering. And Joe Noboom, same deal with the Achilles. Like we hear really good things about Puka Nakua's ability to catch McVay's eye. Um, McVay actually pulled him aside last week, had a conversation with him about his release off the line of scrimmage. It was working with him there. Stafford really likes what he's seeing so far. He seems like he's the happiest person ever to be in horns. So great signs from Puka Nakua. Kobe Turner, they said they felt like he was playing bigger than what they originally thought. So the conductor is already making a really good impression on Eric, Eric Henderson and the rest of the defensive line. The Stenson Bennett situation, Nick, like as much as we want him to be a leader, he's already 35 years old. It's going to be a little bit difficult when you don't get play calls through your signal in college when you're in Georgia in a pro style offense for five seasons. So that's all they said they used hand signals, which is what uh you know our coaches used to use way, way back in the day in peewee football was this was 10, this was 20 single call to you know what i mean like then you use your gaps and your holes and it's all pretty simple math but this is yeah, now this was, uh, tagged up you know this was a ball um <laughs> steel steel yeah steel yeah, steel right. um so yeah that's that's what's difficult about it is like you're you're kind of being onboarded into a brand new brand new real true pro style offense hash marks are different throws are longer plays are longer developing you have to really be entrusting in your offensive line um, so that's that's what's re- really difficult about. It. You got to work with Bright Rippin, which it sounds like he's working off the side with the Matthew Stafford. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you got Darion Kendrick being called out for his sense of urgency in a positive way from from Raheem. Talk about the who's going to play the star position between Dakobe Durant and Sean Jolly, which I'm I'm sure I'm sure is still an ongoing conversation. Likely going to be Durant, but we'll see. And then some other guys had some interceptions. Richard LeCount who I'm not very familiar with. I think he was on the practice squad last year. And same with Cameron McCutcheon, who I'm pretty sure was the other McCutcheon who was on the practice squad for last year. But Donald and Cup were both out due to family reasons uh, for the most recent phase of OTAs. But all signs point them to being around in the final week. Hopefully, they could at least kind of show some face and work on some drills internally with the group. Um, so that's what we're dealing with from OTAs. And then the the three guys that we feel like, because we did this last year, yeah. Nick, the Do you three remember guys who they were? I remember only Cam Akers as our as our guy that that we thought could really show true life and become you know earn his next contract, and that didn't really happen as they talked no. about trading him for the majority of the season. He it was probably our worst pick because he was in the doghouse by week five or week six. My favorite pick, who I was extraordinarily confident in, was Joe Noteboom. Yeah, who I thought he was going to be the. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was going to be one of the future faces of the franchise. You know, replacing Andrew Whitworth had a really, really solid foundation. You know, playing interior, exterior um, over the pa- over the first three, four seasons of his career. Optimistic to give him a really big contract. Um, and you know, he, he was banged up in camp. He was banged up um, 
prior to the season starting. And then, you know, some wear on that knee led to the Achilles. And that was a guy that I just had a ton of confidence in just kind of being the next man up. Um, but injuries, durability, it's the best availability is just being on the field and, and being present. Um, Andrew Whitworth was so great at that when he was here. Rob Havenstein has been so great at that when he has, he's been here for the past, what, eight, nine years. It's going to be Rob Havenstein's 10th season, ninth season. Well, I think ninth. Yeah. So, I mean, and then the other guy that we brought up in terms of, um, who else we really had faith in was Jordan Fuller, right? So Jordan Fuller was coming off of, um, I think it was, was an ankle surgery. He was featured on behind the grind. So I had some confidence that Fuller was going to come back, but then the Rams had drafted two safeties a couple of months prior and Quentin Lake and Russ yeast, who I assume Quentin Lake's eventually going to be his predecessor. And Russ yeast is going to be replacing Taylor Rapp, who's in Buffalo. And then they also drafted Jason Taylor this year. So it's like how, I guess we were zero for three. <laughs> Long yeah, but that was a, I mean, last year was unprecedented times, which I know is a term that everybody wants to use now that it's in our vernacular from COVID. Yeah, but yeah. truly unprecedented times. We like everybody w- was hurt, and and the season was just like over before it even got a chance to start up. So we had like three games in the season before we were like, oh, oh, we're boned. <laughs> That's what made it so difficult. Um, and I think Ernest Jones and Van Jefferson were some of our honorable mentions, which both would have been resoundingly better options, which. And you know what? Van Jefferson, honorable mention this year. Well, you know what? The reason why we, we didn't want to list him for this one was because we were like, is Van a pro? Remember we were having that conversation? Like he's, he's the guy right now. Cooper cup's not in the building. It's Van Jefferson, right? So Van Jefferson is maybe already in that leadership role. Ernest Jones Seems like it's it's very, very clear and obvious that he's going to be the one calling signals on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. He's going to be the Mike linebacker. He's replacing Bobby Wagner. Probably the best thing that could have ever happened for his career development was bringing in Bobby Wagner for a year. It's so. kind of crazy how I totally forgot that our boy uh, Taylor Rapp is now on the Bills too. So the Bills just kind of are you know poaching the L.A. Rams, really going for that one ring. So yeah, I would do the same thing. Yeah, I would, no, I, mean, I would be selling my soul for a ring if I were. Yeah, there. as a Bills fan, that's all you want is just one. So Absolutely. I think I think they owe it to to con- try to continuously go all, all in every single season. Yeah, they should be doing it for the next five seasons as long as Josh Allen's healthy and capable. Do you oh. have just before we go into the three players that we think are going to move forward? Do, do you have any insight on this Stephon Diggs thing and how he might not be happy there? No, no, I've heard that. No, I, I just remember him being visibly upset in the Bengals game. How many different organizations has he been with so far? We know he was with Minnesota. He was with Minnesota, Buffalo. Buffalo and one other. I, I think say. so. Yeah, whoever drafted him. I'm trying to remember yeah. who drafted Stephon Diggs. No, I haven't heard that he's unhappy. Yeah, no. I just, I mean, it just seemed like it would have been a perfect spot for OBJ. But yeah. Where did he go? I forget now. I yeah, think so was drafted by the Vikings. OBJ went to the Ravens. Ravens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, love yeah. that for him. They shored up their their wide receiver core. If you're looking for props or receiving yards or touchdowns on any player, Odell Beckham Jr. is available across the board. Yeah, if you want Odell Beckham Jr. Lamar Jackson MVP. I'm making that pick right now. Yeah, it's not a bad it's not a bad bet at all. So the three players that we mentioned that we want to focus on primarily, <laughs> number one. 
take on a leadership role is Dakobe Durant. Let's see if I can go. Boom. So Dakobe, the group holistically, virtually no leadership or veteran presence, right? With the losses of Troy Hill and Jalen Ramsey. I don't have any confidence in Robert Rochelle. I mean, some may. I felt like he flashed a little bit during his rookie season, but then he's not even able to, to kind of contribute to the special teams unit, which was really, really demoralizing to watch. I thought he was a player that scored really highly in terms of an RAS score, comparable to Jalen Ramsey in terms of physical traits. Um, but Raheem mentioned, as we, we talked about, Durant and Sean Jolly are manning that star role in Ramsey's absence. I think that Jacoby Durant, I mean, talk about the personality. It's better than anybody else's. He could be one of the faces of your organization. He's extremely versatile. He saw him play many, many positions in his rookie season, bouncing all over the field to step in for injury. He was a little banged up, but still played really well in his time on the field. Flashed more than most rookies at that position. Showed a ton of promise, and I feel like he's poised for another big leap in 2023. So Kobe Durant is number one on my list for you know being the next player that is everybody's favorite brand. Right, yeah. like players that you can kind of rally around, and has a great nickname in the Land Shark and a familiar last name. I just think that it's it's a guy that's everybody's going to just kind of grow to love if they don't already. I forgot what the nickname was. Land Shark, Black, Black Reaper, I think is what I tried to coin because it's like Kobe Durant, Kobe, Kobe and Durant, yeah, which yeah, I love. But Green it sounded like also, he, yeah, it sounded like he already had the nickname. Landshark's cooler, I think. The other ones are too difficult to kind of wrap your head around, and you're also stealing from other people's nicknames. Right. I love the conductor, and I love the Landshark. Uh, I mean, he's yeah, he's in the best position, I think, to step up because when you lose a Jalen Ramsey, people, you know, it's going to show. So yeah. if it doesn't, if it's not like the biggest blemish, and you know, you got somebody like Duran who can like kind of, you know track down a couple uh, INTs on the season, which is where Ramsey always kind of, yeah, you know, yeah. wasn't ever his real strong suit. So no, that but towards be, the know. end, he was making plays. Like in the beginning of last season, I remember that Atlanta game, he made a really good play to end the game. Oh, um, the year prior against game. Detroit and Jared Goff. Yeah, so like, yeah, if he can make some explosive plays on the defense side of the ball, cause some havoc, a couple interceptions, maybe one for a touchdown. Like that's a guy that everybody's going to grow to love. Yeah, yeah, I would be the like the quickest um, like face, like new face, because I think they're dying yeah. Yeah. to have to have more people on the podium right now outside of McVeigh himself, and then the big three, you know, the big three. Yeah, then it's Ernest Jones, right? Is that next guy who's probably on the podium bef- below those three? And then you might argue you go Van Jefferson, you know. You go to two, you go Rob Havenstein, maybe two. I think I would go Havenstein. Yeah. Personally, because it, it just from tenure alone. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I do want to hear him speak more before he's gone because it feels like his tenure has just been underappreciated. Yeah. Right. He's just been a, a sturdy block as a right tackle for the last eight, nine seasons. And it's not a player I want to see go. When you have yeah, when you have a guaranteed starter at a position coming out of the last year for the Rams' offensive line, you take it. The next guy is Coleman Shelton, right? So he's coming off of um, – I think they just signed him to a one-year deal, so they brought wow. him back. Love the blue on blue. And Nick loves the blue on blue. Um, I do too. I think it's a great look. I also think that the way that Coleman Shelton kind of fits into this equation is – him earning a starting center job, playing your ass off and being an example for other interior players on the roster, 
that are also undrafted who are still trying to make a name for themselves, similar to how Alaric Jackson did it last season before the blood clots. Um, that's that offensive line was in shambles last year. And Matthew Stafford is going into his 15th season. Like that is absolutely ridiculous. Like I very easily could have put Alaric Jackson in this position for Coleman Shelton, but I feel like we've gone years and years without the Rams really having a leadership player as an interior offensive lineman. Like it just, it hasn't happened. You've been hoping that Brian Allen is going to step up. You know, you saw Austin Corbett here in the Super Bowl season, which is probably the best example of that. Previously, Roger Saffold. Um, so you've had some really good interior players in the past, but it feels like since Austin Corbett left, we've been trying to fill a vacancy, which is why you go back to Wisconsin and you try to draft a Logan Bruss and you try to, you know, relive the magic and David Edwards weird concussions from last year at a couple in a row over the, over like a three week span ends up in Buffalo also. So it's so strange. This is a really good peak. I want to give Roberto Clemente on Twitter a shout out because this is just an incredibly well compiled list of the way that the Rams' offensive line shook out last season. So I talked about a consistent block, Nick. Look at Rob Havenstein all the way at the top. Played all 17 games. Not one other player did that. Coleman Shelton was right behind him at 12, and Alaric Jackson was right behind him at 8. So those are kind of, you know, your three guys that you feel it's almost a necessity to let them start, at least to begin the season, because they showed you a lot in their time, in a limited period of time, but still a time where there was so much uh, turmoil going on. And then games played by position, like Ty Nasecki's not coming back. Matt mm -hmm. Sakura is not coming back. David Edwards is gone. Bobby Ever Evans is gone. So Odey Oboshi was a guy that they signed off for the scrap heap. Um, so I, I really, if, if you're Coleman Shelton, I'm saying to myself, A, I'm going to win the job outright over Brian Allen. And then B, I'm just going to be a, a, a unanimous example to all undrafted players in the system on how to work your way up, earn a second contract, and become that guy and become a leader. Well, Havenstein, Whitworth, you want them all to be in the same uh, breath when you're talking about, like, great Rams offensive linemen. Um, totally. And, yeah, I mean, he's really got a shot this year to, uh, to kind of propel it over the top, especially because last year it seemed like every – Every play was getting blown up before. Yeah, even, yeah, like yeah, and then it leads to a spinal contusion for Matthew Stafford, and then his his season, his career is in jeopardy. It's like way too much is going on. So based on that, here's what I'm starting it in terms of the beginning of the season, left to right: Alaric Jackson at left tackle, Steve Avilia at left guard, or Steve Avila. We're still getting down the pronunciation of the rook at left guard. Ryan Allen starting at center, Coleman Shelton starting at right guard, and Rob Havenstein starting at right tackle. And then you really have solid depth to lean on players like Joe Boom and Logan Bruss and Trayman Akram and AJ Curie. And I, the problem is I just feel like they're going to have to let Boom play because of the contract and they're paying both Brian Allen and Coleman Shelton. So inevitably they're going to be three players that play, especially early on in the season, but it's just going to be a matter of, of who the best five are going to play as our, uh, our offensive coordinator said, I feel like they're a little bit. Really yeah. Go ahead. I really liked LaFleur being like, yeah, nobody's guaranteed, you know, it doesn't matter who's getting paid. We're going to put yeah. out the best guys on the field. Yeah, there's there's an element to that, but it's also like at this point, play whoever who, who whoever wants to step up and play. That's what you have yeah. to do. And and they have more, they have more um, experience too, right? Yeah. Like from a coaching perspective, Ryan Wendell, NFL experience, no longer Kevin Carberry. And then Aaron Cromer, you know, Ryan Wendell's a disciple of Aaron Cromer and Zach Cromer's his son, still with the Rams' organization. So, Pretty good stability there. I'm just, I can't get worse. That's all we could say. Yeah. 
Move on to the tight end position. Yeah, last but not least. Bryson Hopkins, our boy. Uh, mm -hmm. He on the last year of his deal. Kind of thought that he was out of the building, honestly, and by this point. I mean, there's still time. There's still plenty of time. Um, but still, uh, it's time to start thinking about the future of the tight end position. Bryson Hopkins has had two uh, moments, seemingly. The block on the fourth down jet sweep and uh, the PED suspension from last year. He's in year four. He's played 24 games in three years. If it isn't him, it has to be Hunter Long or Davis Allen. So your guess is as good as mine. Personally, I think the, the Hunter Long thing could be completely um, preseason is all we see from him. Um, sure, sure. But I want to see one of them emerge as like Stafford's blanket and be the three down tight end. Because I don't think – I don't know. It's just Higby never really, uh, you know, he's been with the organization a really long time now. Um, one of the longest tenure guys at, at, at this point. And outside of that one Eagles game, you know, where he scored three touchdowns, I like there aren't many moments where you think back like the great Tyler Higby moment, you know? Yeah. But part of his, his job is doing the dirty work and playing in right. line and being able to block but you want somebody that no, you're totally right. It's not it's not a flashy player, and it seems like the teams that have these game breaking tight ends, the Mark the Mark Edwards or Mark Andrews, uh, the Travis Kelseys, the Dallas Goddards, right? Yeah. Those are the guys who end up, you know, in the big show towards the end. Although the Rams just did it without Tyler Higby and Bryson Hopkins being a starter in the Super Bowl and executing on a key jet sweep block. So if yeah. you can get the most out of him, he could stay healthy for an entire season. I mean, he hasn't shown enough. I don't think for him to earn a second contract with the Rams, but he's at least a player who could step up into a leadership role and try to kind of recreate and reshape his, his career in the NFL. And if it's not him, Nick Davis Allen has the best tight end name in football, as you mentioned, he's really, going to be, it's going to be a free agent on your fantasy waiver wire all the time. So I think uh, it's going to be, I'm more excited for these preseason matchups more than I've ever been. You have Stenson Bennett throwing the Hunter long, um, yeah, Lance McCutcheon. Yeah, could be really, really fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to go to a couple or at least one of those um, SoFi games, probably the one where they play the Chargers because it'll be like three years in a row where I've gone to every single one. Yep, and then uh, yeah, we'll, we'll buy out the there jersey if that's what they're going to release. But I mean, who's who knows? And then uh, yeah, that's that's coming July apparently is when we get the jersey news sometime in July. Who's who's telling me this? Who are your sources? That's my source. I have an inside source on Twitter. July. That's uh, yeah. You never know. You never it's know. But July be, is what we're it's seeing. It's gonna be like a different shade of blue and like white, and it's gonna be so lame. Ugh. Yeah, the original Rams dark blue, the original like darker shade of blue, and then the white that goes back to the original white and blue helmets and the white and blue jerseys from the fifties or the sixties. You know what I would want? I would want the white, the old school Deacon Jones, Merlin Olson, white with the blue instead of the blue with the white. Cause I think the blue with the white goes back way, way further. And then the white with the blue is more like 19 late 1950s, early 1960s. Um, if I can pull up a quick picture. I just want all yellow. Hey, which one? Nobody else has all yellow. No other team in the NFL. Be so oh, I cool. know. I think the Chargers have been talking about it. I'm going to show you. The Chargers, the marketing team, is like 10 times better than the Rams. I'm sorry. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, not that that's like a huge deal. Like, who cares about that? You want to no, know, it doesn't. It, yeah, it doesn't deal. matter. It doesn't matter. Here, wait. Let me share my screen real quick. This is the jersey I'm talking about. Yeah, let me see. Can you see? Oh, that would. Yeah, but I, I just think white can be so boring. Like that's that's like it looks like it's from the 1950s. It and does. That with the um, with our current helmet would look horrible. Unfortunately, but they would have you'd be able to change the helmet. That's the yeah, that's but the I, they're not going to change the the type of spiral that it's going to be. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, who who needs uniform talk? You hear it all day, every day. Yeah, you sure do. Uh, we'll get it in a month, and it'll be just as fun as it always was. Uh, make yeah. sure if you guys are enjoying the show, like and subscribe. Um, make sure that you guys um, let us know that you're enjoying the show we got a lot more coming at you throughout the entire season we'll be uh we'll have you covered throughout july and august throughout the preseason throughout the regular season it's gonna be a lot of fun so stick with us yes please do like and subscribe guys it means so much sure does love you guys thanks for listening peace go rams <laughs>